He's with his son for the funeral up there on the mainland. 232. When I see the blood. Great lesson this morning. If you missed it, you missed a good lesson. If you missed it, get on the app. <laughs> Go online and get listen to it. About the blood. The Lamb of God. Passover Lamb. 232. When I see the blood. Christ our
46, 446, satisfied. Some of us have sung this before. Some of us have not. So if this is your first time singing this song, just listen. feeding pigs and then he tried to eat what the pigs had to eat. Even the pigs didn't want it. It didn't satisfy him. That's what it's like looking for satisfaction in this world apart from Jesus. Feeding on the husks around me. Oh, long my soul for something better. Only still to hunger on. Mm. Let's sing the third and fourth stanzas. 446.
Francis is not here. He's in Kentucky until Tuesday, and I was going to bypass having any singing today. And I said, we're not going to have any singing today. And then Nathan volunteered to this singing, so I'm glad he did. That song is so good. That's the kind of song I like to sing in my car when no one's around. That is such a good song. I heard the quartet sing that song. It is so nice to hear different parts. But uh, that's such a good song. All right. Um, we'll let, I didn't want to ask Nathan the lead song because he would interrupt the Chinese service. But uh, anyway, I'm so glad he volunteered to do that. Well, welcome back, Frank. I have some mail for you. Welcome back, Jim. Hope you had a good visit with your father. And uh, Mike and Hannah be leaving, and the kids. Yeah, the kids are going to, they're not staying behind. They're going to go to see uh, uh, his parents over in Texas. And so enjoy the hot weather, Mike. Uh, yeah. Miranda's been talking about seeing her mom sometime in February. It's kind of talk, talking stage. And, and then I said, well, no, you're not going to go see your mom. What am I going to be doing all by myself? And so she said, well, we talked about it before. I said, but we weren't serious about it. <laughs> and so now if she does that, then that'll delay our, our annual trip in the summertime to maybe September, October. That's all in talk stage. But if one day you don't see her, it's because she took off to see her mom. <laughs> And uh, I said, how long are you going to go? She says, oh, let's see, one week to see Emily and three weeks to see. I said, what? Three weeks to see, that's four weeks. No, not going to happen. We're going to have an argument about that, okay? <laughs> so, uh, what? You can do more driving. That's what she said. <laughs> this is a, This is collusion. <laughs> collusion, Mary. Great minds think alike. No, no, not great minds. Corruption. Corrupt minds. You know, the Psalms talks a lot about corrupt people and how they connive. Yes, they connive and how David wanted them to be, how David wanted them to be. And he was trusting God to take care of that matter. Yeah, so anyway, uh, uh, well, I hope everybody is going to be back in church pretty soon. And uh, this is already the first Sunday of October already. Can't believe it, how fast this year is going by. And pretty soon before you know it's going to be New Year's. But um, one day at a time, one week at a time. Uh, let's see. I was just thinking as Nathan leading songs, especially about that song, how good it was for me to hear that song. Because I'll be truth with you, I was feeling kind of like blue this morning because when I came to church, nobody was here. Nobody means people that I expect to see were not here at 9.30. I was feeling kind of grumpy, you know, and so I drank some coffee, which didn't help. Made me more agitated. So I am feeling a lot better now. You say, well, you're not supposed to have these kind of things. Well, I, I kind of think I'm human sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I was, I'm feeling a lot better now. Great. And so this teaches me a lesson. Uh, I should never always depend upon my circumstance to give me happiness. I should always look to something a little bit deeper than that for my joy. Because we are such circumstantial people. When things are good, oh, we feel so good. When circumstances are contrary, Nothing is right. Why, this morning, honey, don't listen to this. I told my wife, we're going to leave the house at a certain time. Well, I have this problem with people being late. I like when I'm on time. I like when she's on time and whoever's riding with me, they're on time too. And sometimes, at the very last minute, they're doing something. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting the, the cream ready for church, for coffee. I said, couldn't you have done that before? And I told her the night before, I want to leave a certain time. Okay, fine. 
and it never works out like that. You know what takes me off? That kind of stuff, small things like that. And I come to church and carry this, this aggravation, this, this anger with me. And I pick up, I pick up Keith and I have to be nice. I have to suppress my anger. I have to pretend I'm smiling when I'm not Keith. I'm not really smiling sometimes when I pick you up, okay, because of those kind of things. But now that church has commenced, now that Sunday school is over, now I've got to talk to some people, and I feel a lot better. You know, that teaches me a lesson. That fellowship and being in church is very helpful. And that when you neglect it deliberately, not because you can't help it, but deliberately, it does affect you. So I'll pass on to you. I'm sorry for being transparent, but I'm not sorry for being transparent. I want you to know that this is how life is. And uh, I was telling Larry the other night, it was a really good day for certain things. And uh, my it's not always like that. And I tend to complain and grumble when things are not going my way. My expectations, when it's not fulfilled, I get upset. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one in this world. I'm sure it's you too. And I, as as um, um, as a former prison guard, um, member of the church, um, Holly man, Holly man. I see him too. Glasses, coffee drinker. Um, yeah, oh man, I should never do these things improper, but he used to always say, Am I right? Am I right? He'd say something, he'll always say, Am I right? Roger. Roger Lemons. He always ends the sentence by saying, Am I right? Am I right? So, Roger, shut up. Because you are right. And so I said that to say that. Uh, uh, pray for each other because we have to go through some things that's not really serious, but minor. It kind of gets on our nerves. Okay, all right. Let me step aside. Mike, come over. Am I right? You guys in here? Are you, are you not coming anywhere? Okay. Turn to Hebrews chapter nine. a very uplifting, positive message this morning <laughs> about death. Just kidding. Uh, the first part, I'm kidding. It's not a positive, uplifting message, although the Bible does say about death for the believer. There are some positive things it says that uh, to live, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, Blessed in the sight of the Lord of the death of his saints. But uh, that's not what I'm going to be preaching about as, as far as uh, that context. I'm going to be preaching about five different types of death. In the Bible, there are different types of death. I'm going to preach five different types of death. I'm not going to be preaching about five people who died. I'm not preaching about five ways to die physically. But I am going to be preaching about five different types of death in the Bible. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. The Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So the first type of death in the Bible that I'm going to be preaching about is 
physical, physical death. Physical death. And that's the context in Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. What is the cause of death? What is the cause? Why do people die? We all know that in the Bible, when God created Adam and Eve, that he placed in the garden the tree of life. And they would not have ever died physically had they not disobeyed God and been expelled from the garden and banished from the tree of life. Go to Romans chapter 5. And in Romans chapter 5, it tells us why death entered into the world. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so the reason why people die, it was not God's original intention for people to die, but the reason why people die is because of sin. Adam's sin and Adam that was passed down to the human race. And so we all die physically. That's why it says it's appointed unto men once to die. The Bible says, what man is he that liveth and shall not see death? There were only two exceptions in the Bible, and those were Enoch and Elijah. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died physically. And of course, those who are alive at the rapture will not have to see physical death. But it is appointed unto men in a general sense. It's appointed unto men once to die. The human mortality rate in that sense is 100%. You don't have to believe the Bible to understand that Everybody is going to die. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe in God. You can be an atheist. You can be an agnostic. You can be uh, any type of world religion or no religion whatsoever. And one thing is for sure, you cannot disagree with me on this point that everybody is going to die. 107 people die per minute. 6,390 people die per hour. 153,000 people die per day. 56 million people die per year. According to those statistics, there have been people that have died since I started this message. In fact, I, that about two people die per second on average. Right now, as I'm clicking my fingers, people are dying. Right now, as I am speaking, somewhere around the world, somebody just died. Somebody's heart just stopped beating. Somebody just breathed their last breath. Right now as I'm speaking, around the world, people are dying and going into eternity. Going into eternity. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. There have been times when I've had a, a, a doctor's appointment or to um, an appointment with a dentist or, or an eye doctor appointment or something and I'll look at my schedule and something comes up and I'll say oh no that conflicts with this and oh I'm going to have to uh, cancel that appointment or, or reschedule and I'll call them up and I'll say you know I have this, this appointment on this particular date I need, to, I need to cancel my appointment and of course the receptionists they've been trained to not just say oh okay that's fine they say would you like to reschedule your appointment because they want to keep your business and sometimes they'll say, yes, I do. I, I, I want to reschedule for this particular date. Or do you have an opening? Or what times do you have available on this particular date? Or sometimes I'll say, um, not right now. I, I need to figure out my schedule and I'll have to get back to you. 
And so that's a convenience, a luxury that we have to be able to cancel or reschedule appointments as long as you give them enough notice. But when it comes to death, you do not have the luxury of being able to reschedule or cancel that appointment. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. When death comes knocking at your door, you cannot say, oh wait, wait, let me check my calendar. Let me see if I have something going on that day. You cannot say, oh wait, wait, uh, come back at a more convenient time. No, wait, 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 you don't understand. I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. You do not have that luxury. When, de when, when death comes knocking at your door, you have to answer that. Or if you don't, death will just open the door and come right in. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Something else about physical death is it is unexpected oftentimes. Oftentimes it is unexpected. Sometimes people, they get old and they start getting sick and their body and their health starts deteriorating and they can kind of see that death is approaching. Other times death is very instant and unexpected. Both of my younger brothers died. One when he was 18 and the other one when he was 30 at separate times in life. Unexpected, unexpected. I was not expecting those phone calls the day it happened. Unexpected. I knew a kid who was 15 years old out with his friends drinking, having fun, and he accidentally fell out of the pickup truck, hit his head, went into a coma, he's dead at 15. Unexpected, unexpected. I know another guy I grew up with who was murdered by somebody who had an altercation with, pulled up next to him at the red light and bam, shot him right in the head, dead, dead. He was, how old was he? Oh, probably in his 20s. I know another guy who died when he was 21 years old. I grew up with him. You think the people who died on 9-11 at the Twin Towers, you think when they woke up and went to work that day that they were, uh, they were expecting to not to come home? To their family that day unexpected unexpected death is often unexpected the bible says whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away proverbs says boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth you don't know when death is going to come sometimes death not only death is sometimes unexpected but death is final it's final final in the sense that one, once death occurs, you have no more opportunity to get saved or to do for Christ what you could have or should have done if you're saved. In that sense, death is final. No second chance. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Once. The Bible does not teach reincarnation in the sense that the Eastern religions teach, where uh, based on your karma, that dictates the, the type of life form that you will be in your next life for your next 10 lives until you get it right and you have a chance to keep on coming back and coming back. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. There's a saying that says, uh, one life to live will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. There was a man who, at his funeral, he was all known for being a, real jokester and oh, just a real funny guy his whole life and he actually planned something ahead ahead of time and at his funeral what he did was he when he, 
they put him in the in the casket. He had a, a recording device in there where it had him with his own voice that he had made a recording before he died. And he had a recording in there and it had his voice at his own funeral while he's in the casket. And that recording has a knocking noise. Help, help, let me out, let me out. It's dark in here. <laughs> Real funny guy. And of course, uh, people caught on and they started laughing and they knew, oh boy, this it's just like him to do something like this, even, even at his funeral. But you know, that was uh, just a recording. It wasn't really him. Death is final. Death is final. As much as uh, people would like it not to be. Some of these charismatics, you know, they... Uh, People criticize him. Well, why don't you raise people from the dead? If, if you have these signs and the gifts of the signs and wonders and all of that, like the Bible, and you're teaching all of this, well, why don't you raise people from the dead? Jesus did. Uh, Paul did. Peter did. If you have the sign gifts, why don't you ever raise somebody from the dead? And then some guy will pretend to raise somebody from the dead. There was a guy in Africa, one of these charismatic healers in Africa, who claimed to have raised somebody from the dead, but the guy wasn't even dead. You can see the movement of his eyes, and he's trying to fool everybody like a magician and uh, trying to raise somebody from the dead. Death is final. Death is final. There are no second chances. Okay, so that's physical death. Number two, I want to talk about another type of death. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And God told Adam and Eve something in the garden. And he said about that tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, you can eat of every tree in the garden except one. Except one. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof... Thou shalt surely die. Did they eat it? Yes. Did they die? Yes and no. They didn't die physically. God didn't say they would die physically in the day. He said they would die though. They died a spiritual death. Spiritual death. There's more than one kind of death. There's a spiritual death in the Bible. Go to Genesis chapter 5. You know what's interesting? It says that God made Adam after his image. And if you look at Genesis chapter 5, after they fell, look at verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. Adam was made in the image of God. It says when Adam had a son, he begat a son in his own likeness after his image, Adam's image. So it looks like there's a possibility that they that after they sinned, man lost in a sense the, the image of God in a sense where Adam was created sinless. And after he fell, that sin nature 
And that corruption was passed on to his sons. And there's a spiritual death. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, ye must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the image of God. And when you get born again, when you get saved, when you see, receive Christ as your Savior, you get that image back that was lost because of sin. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about um, the, the, the believers and the church of Ephesus. And it talks about um, that they were, before they got saved, that they were dead, spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. There was a passenger on a plane, a, a woman who was on the plane. And after the plane landed, everybody got off. And after everybody departed the plane, there was this one woman that was there left on the plane, appeared to be sleeping. The flight attendant came and tried to wake her up. Man, ma'am, you, you need to wake up. You need to get off the plane. The, the, the plane has landed. Everybody has already left the plane. She wasn't sleeping. She was dead. And that whole time she was dead, people sitting around her and walking around, they thought she was asleep. She was dead. Nobody knew it. She appeared to be sleeping. She appeared to be alive. There are many people who are alive, physically, spiritually, they're dead. People around you, co-workers, relatives, people out in public, dead, dead, spiritually dead. Why? Because they're not saved. Because they've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They've never been born again. I hear people all the time, they say, we're all the children of God. That is a partial truth. It is true that we are all the creation of God. But spiritually speaking, we're not all the children of God. In fact, Jesus told some of the religious people of his day, ye are of your father, the devil. That's why the Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Become a son of God. Well, if you can become a son of God, that means you're not already a son of God. The Bible says there are the children of God and children of the devil. Without the new birth, when you die, you die in your sins, in trespasses and sins. That's the spiritual death. Everybody is born spiritually dead. Now, of course, we understand that before the age of accountability, if a young child dies before the age of accountability, that he's uh, that his sin is not imputed to him. We understand that. Okay, number three, there is a different type of death. Go to Romans chapter six. There's a spiritual death. There's a physical death. There is a what we call a judicial death. Go to Romans chapter six. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead 
to sin live any longer therein. Jump over to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So there's a type of death in here in this context. This is a, a judicial death. This is not a physical death, obviously. He's not talking about being unsaved, lost, spiritually dead in your sin. He's talking about a believer, somebody who is no longer spiritually dead, that they've received Christ, they are now saved, they've been born again. But he says that this person has a specific type of death. We would call this a judicial death. Now, this type of death only applies to saved people. And what he's saying is that your, the, your old self, before you were saved, your, that your old life, you consider it to be dead. The, the part of you that, that used to serve the flesh and used to, to walk after the flesh and lives in sin and, and you had no desire for, for the things of God, like the Bible says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the, the Spirit of God, um, for they are foolishness unto him. It says that part of you, your old life, your old self, you should be dead to sin, crucified with Christ. That's your old self positionally speaking. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The old things you can you should consider to be dead. That's why he talks about being dead. He talks about, in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The, the, the old you, the, your old ways, crucified with Christ, judicially speaking, those, th those things should be dead. You shouldn't allow sin to control you like you did before you were saved. Before you were saved, you were a, a slave to the world, the flesh, the devil. There were maybe some, some old habits and, and, and temptations and sins that you couldn't get the victory over. Or maybe you, you didn't even care about it. You didn't even think about whether it was right or wrong. You just did it because you wanted to do it because that's what your flesh enjoyed doing. And so the Bible says that now that you're saved, you've come out of darkness into light, you should look at that, that, that old you and you should consider it to be dead. Now, a Christian has two natures. See, some people teach that when you get saved, that um, you never, ever, ever want to sin anymore and you don't, you don't have any temptation. That's not true. The Bible says the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, the apostle Paul talked about this issue that he had where, where there was this, this conflict, this internal spiritual tug of war, if you will. And he even said, um, if you look at um, Romans chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 7, he talked about um, this, this um, where am I, chapter 7, uh, and, and some other passages. He, uh, yeah, here we are, Romans chapter 7. Look at verse 15. He said, For that which I do allow not, I'm sorry, let me start over. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now it kind of sounds like a tongue twister there. What he's saying there is, the things 
that in my right mind, my spiritual mind, that I want to do that please God, those things that I want to do, sometimes I find that I don't do them. And the things that, that I know I should not do, and I've already uh, denounced those things, and I had told myself I'm not going to do it anymore because that's, that's the way of the flesh, and I'm trying to please God, sometimes I end up doing it. And I feel terrible about it, and I regret it. And he goes back and forth, and he says in verse 17, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And he goes on and he expounds on that. And so the Christian, when he gets saved, he has two natures, the flesh and the spirit. In Galatians, it says, um, walk, walk after the, the, the spirit and, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the, 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 the spirit lusteth against the flesh and these two are contrary the one to the other so that you, can, you cannot do the things that you would. Haven't you ever, after you got saved, haven't you ever had a time where you thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God and I'm going to do the right things and these things that, that are from my past, I'm not going to do it anymore. I, I quit. I know that it's a sin. God showed it to me in the Bible and he convicted me with the Holy Spirit and I'm not going to do it anymore. And then that temptation creeps up and you get have a weak moment and you do it again. You say, oh man, what, what's wrong with me? And if you're a young Christian, sometimes you even wonder if you're saved. You, you keep telling yourself, why do I keep doing this? I told myself I wasn't going to do it anymore, and, I, and maybe I'm not saved, or maybe this, or maybe that. And then the devil starts putting these doubts in your mind. What is that? That's what we just read in Romans. Paul had that same problem. The spirit and the flesh. You have to feed the spirit and starve the flesh, spiritually speaking, in order to get that victory. And one of the ways you do that is you reckon yourselves dead to sin. You control it. You don't allow it to control you. You consider it to be dead. It's there. It's always going to be with you. But it doesn't have to control you. You're supposed to consider it to be dead. Don't cling to it. You know, I read about a woman in Mexico City. Her husband died. And she was so attached to her husband, she could not deal with his death. She was so attached to him that even after he died, they found out that she kept his corpse near her bed for an entire year. She was so attached to him. She couldn't let him go. And the Bible says... You need to let certain things go. When you get saved, there is a death when you get saved. It's a good death. It's a necessary death. And you're supposed to become detached from those things and let it go and consider it dead. Back in ancient Rome, there was a punishment that they would inflict upon murderers sometimes. The, the victim who was murdered, they would bound the body of that dead person who was murdered. They would bound that corpse to the back of the murderer as punishment. You kill the guy, okay, here's your punishment. We're going to tie this dead body of this person around and that person's gonna be on your back next to you. 
Sounds like fun, huh? But you know that's what it's like with a Christian? The old man is dead. But you're still dragging him around, aren't you? That's why he still gives you problems. And to God, that person is dead. To you, that person should be like a dead, rotting corpse. Oh, it stinks. I don't want to have anything to do with that. But it's still, you still have to drag that dead person around with you, spiritually speaking, and it still gives you problems. See, if something is dead, it shouldn't be able to control you. You should control it, even though it's still there with you. Okay, there's another death I want to talk about in the Bible. Go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. What? These people are alive and dead at the same time? How can that be? And who are these people? Are these wicked, unsafe people? No. This is a church that's being written to, that's being addressed. A church. Believers. Christians, And he says, Thou that livest and art dead, how can you be alive and dead at the same time? Let's look at another verse. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at verse 6. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. How can you be alive and dead at the same time? This is what we would call a devotional death. This, again, can happen to believers. They are alive physically. They're not dead spiritually because they're saved. This is not talking about the judicial death that I just talked about because that is a good thing. It's a positive thing. This right here is it's a reproof. It's a rebuke. It's a bad thing. They're alive physically, but devotionally speaking, they are dead, dead Christians. In other words, they are devotionally dead in the sense that they're not living for God. They are not walking after the Holy Spirit. There's no service. There's no fruit that's being produced. There's no spiritual growth. There's no zeal. They're, they're just dead. They're, you know, there are Christians who are even in church, and they're alive Physically, they're here present. They're they're present, but devotionally speaking, some Christians are dead, meaning they're just going through the motions. It's just a formality. They 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 have they have no desire to serve God. They don't read the Bible. They don't do anything. They don't live for God during the week. They just they just show up for church. It's like a ritual for many people. There are many Christians who are out backslidden in the world and you can't even tell them apart from from the lost people and they're saved and i know some of them and i've i've seen many all through the years i've seen people like that where they get so far away from god you can't even tell them apart from the lost world 
I read about a woman who was in, uh, in, in Iowa, the state of Iowa, in a care facility, like a nursing home, an elderly woman. They found her dead, pronounced her pronounced dead, called the necessary officials, the, and uh, they came and pronounced her dead, and they took her to the morgue. They had her in a body bag, and all of a sudden, she's in the body bag alive, gasping for air and begging to be discovered. And they found out that she was never dead to begin with. She was alive. Somebody, whoever pronounced her dead or, or um, was in charge of that really... <laughs> lawsuit, lawsuit, right? <laughs> she wasn't dead. Why did they think she was dead? Because she, she appeared to be dead. She appeared lifeless. <clears throat> and some Christians are like that. Some Christians, they appear to be just like lost people because they've strayed so far from God that you can't even tell them apart. The Bible talks about having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. There are people who... You ever seen somebody who killed the deer, trophy deer or something, they have it mounted at the taxidermist and they have it mounted on the wall. When I was young, my dad had a lot of those in our house because when he was younger, he was an advert hunter. And he had bucks, deer, and, and game birds and all kinds of these uh, wild animals that he had killed and he had them mounted on the wall as trophies. There are people who do that with their pets because they are so attached to that pet that when it dies, that dog or that cat, they don't want to bury it. They want to have some sort of memory of that. And it's, you know, when I was younger and I used to see all these, these animals, these mounts, I always thought, you know, I could kind of imagine people doing that with their pet. I know you, you think it's kind of creepy, but as a kid, you can't, you can't really... <laughs> deal with death like an adult and I'm thinking man if I had a, a this cat or this dog or something or this hamster and I love it so much and then it died I or a parrot I would want some sort of memory of it where you could at least look at it and kind of pretend that it's still there with you even though you know it's not and so I could kind of as a child I could kind of understand that and then when I when I read this passage, I thought, wow, so people actually do that. Because when I was younger, I was thinking that might be a good idea. <laughs> but here we have adults that actually do that with their cat and their dog. They want to wake up and I, I guess they still talk to it or whatever and have something to remember it by. But people actually get their pets stuffed at the taxidermist and have it in their home looking like that animal. Of course, it's the appearance only. That thing is dead. Once, once that thing dies, it's gone. And you can go to the taxidermist and you can have that done to your pet if you decide to. But that thing is lifeless. You can talk to it. You can pet it. You can do whatever you want. That thing is dead. There's no life. You know, somebody, one, a coworker died recently at Turtle Bay. And it was the strangest thing in the employee cafeteria, one of the workers in the cafeteria, they had they had a table with his. Now, this part wasn't strange. They had a table, a little memorial with some pictures of him, 
and some envelopes of people if they wanted to write down their memories and things about him and, and have a little drop box and a, a monetary donation or something for the family, you could do that. But the first day I saw that, I went up and I looked, oh wow, this guy died. I wasn't real close to him, I didn't work with him a lot, but I just knew him by face. I, oh yeah, I remember seeing this guy in the kitchen once in a while, you know, he didn't work in my department, but I remember Oh, wow, yeah, I remember this seeing this guy. Oh, man, he died. I wonder what happened. And somebody had on that table some food items and some other things. They had a can of, of juice. And they wrote his name on it. They had a little plate of some food. They had a cigarette. To re I guess that's his brand of cigarettes he smoked. That's probably how he died and they had these things on there and I thought okay this is probably some of the things that he enjoyed eating this is probably some of his favorite items and then I noticed every day it would change and I know and they had that thing there for about a week and every day there was a different type of food and they had his name written on it. And I come and I started to ask, this is kind of strange. And it looked like something that you would see like at a Buddhist monastery or something where they're offering like these fruit offerings and stuff. And, I, and, I, and I'm talking to a coworker like, yeah, this guy, that's so sad he died. And I asked him, I said, why do they keep putting all this different food and stuff here? Do they think that he's eating it in the afterlife? the guy said, come on, you. Don't, don't say that. You know, there's other people eating. I thought, I, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. What's, what is this? I'm just curious. This is really bizarre. It's kind of creepy. Is this a Filipino thing or what? Because is it? I don't know. You, you, it's not, right? Filipinos are mostly Catholic. I couldn't figure out somebody who was working in the cafeteria or somebody that was really close to him would put food and drinks out every single day on that table for him. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. I thought, well, I mean, these people aren't Hindus and Buddhists. It's just strange. <clears throat> but they were doing it, and it wasn't, first I thought, okay, that's just his favorite food, okay? It's just, just something to remember him by. But they were changing it every single day and they had different types of food and stuff based on what they were serving in the cafeteria as if he was eating it in the afterlife. It was very strange. Now he, once he's dead, he's dead, okay? I mean, there's, there's no second chance. But um, the reason why I say that is because there are people who are alive physically, but they are dead spiritually and they kind of resemble those things those illustrations that i gave you where there is no life in certain people whether they did physically whether you get a stuffed animal just to remember you by there are people there are christians who are devotionally dead because they stop serving god they don't lose their salvation don't misunderstand me i'm not saying that they lose their salvation but they are in a sense they are just very inactive Christians. That's why the Bible says, let's look at one more verse. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. 
and uh, this is written to Christians, church of Eph at Ephesus, and the, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Arise from the dead. He's writing this to believers. They're not lost. They're not spiritually dead in their sin. They are devotionally dead. They're Christians who are sleeping. <laughs> Asleep in their spiritual walk and their spiritual service to God. Okay, finally, to conclude, there is in the Bible the second death. Go to Revelation chapter 20. The second death. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Go to chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And we'll look at verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Why is it called the second death? Because the first death, physical. The second death, if you die, lost, dead in trespasses in your sins, Without God, without having Jesus Christ as your Savior, you it's almost like you're dying a second time, spiritually speaking. You're cast into the lake of fire, the second death. All who don't get saved and they die without being saved will experience the second death. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they teach what's the false doctrine of annihilation. They say, well, when somebody gets cast in the lake of fire and they go to, they go to hell, first they say hell is the grave. They say people who get cast in the lake of fire... They don't suffer for all eternity. They, they, they burn up and they cease to exist. They're annihilated. That is not true. Let me show you. Go to Revelation chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night. Forever. It doesn't say they get annihilated. Go to chapter 19. In chapter 19, verse 20, it says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Now, this is before the millennium at the second advent. I want you to remember that and turn to chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 10. Here we have something after the millennium, after a thousand years. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. They're still there after a thousand years. They were not annihilated. They did not just get burned up and, and, and consumed and and cease to exist, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
So according to the Bible, there is no such thing as the false teaching of annihilation, which is taught by the Jehovah's Witnesses in the Seventh-day Adventists. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. What does that mean? If you've only been born once physically and you've never been born again and you die, you will die twice. You will die physically and you will die the, you'll experience the second death, be cast out like a fire. If you've been born twice, one physically, second, born again, the new birth, you only die once, a physical death, if you don't make the rapture, if you die before the rapture. Born once, you die twice. Born twice, you die only once. People say, well, I just don't believe it. Well, Jesus believed it. Well, I can't believe that God would send somebody. How could a loving God send people to hell? You ever read how many times Jesus preached and taught about hell? You know what Jesus said about avoiding hell and how the seriousness of hell? He said, if plucking out your eye and cutting off your hand would prevent you from going to hell, it would be worth it. That's what Jesus said about hell. He said, where the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. That's how he described hell. He said, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is better to enter life with one eye than, than two eyes into the, into the hell where the fire is never quenched. That's what he said. People say, well, I thought God was love. Well, the, the Bible doesn't say that God is only love. There's a lot of attributes in the Bible that describe God. The Bible says that God is a God of wrath. The Bible says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God is holy. God is love. God is love. God is love. I attended a, a funeral recently of, a, of a, one of my former managers at the hotel. And the Catholic priest preached him into heaven. And the Church of God pastor preached him into heaven. And this guy had absolutely no evidence of salvation. And here they are saying, oh, well, he's in heaven and he's this and he's that. He's, he's on, on the streets of gold. And, and, and I couldn't believe my ears. There was a Church of Christ pastor who went up there who used to work at the hotel and was talking to everybody, almost everybody there were, were co-workers at the hotel and I couldn't believe my ears and he says, when we all get to heaven and we're all going to be up here, up there with him, with Ron and, and, and I think that in this, I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. First, you're saying that this guy's in heaven and there's absolutely no evidence that he was saved and now you just told everybody that's in attendance that they're all going to be in heaven too. What in the world? And this guy's a pastor? Yes, he believes in universal salvation. Couldn't believe my ears. Terrible. Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind... They both shall fall into a ditch. That's exactly what was happening. The blind leading the blind. And you know what? 
what was ironic? The Catholic priest actually spoke more truth than the Church of Christ pastor. Even though the Catholic priest, it was this Filipino Catholic priest, and you know, he's going through the, you know, just kind of recital or whatever, just a formality thing. But at least he talked about Jesus and the gospel and, and the rest, Jesus rising from the dead and salvation. And, and even, I think he even mentioned hell. And he wasn't, um, that, that guy, there was more truth in his message than the, the pastor from the church of Christ. Although it was mixed with error. And he went and they, you know, sprinkled water on the corpse and the casket and the thing. What is that going to do? Uh, pitiful, pitiful. Everybody, you know, making jokes and you know, I understand. You know, at a funeral, you know, you want to, you want to paint the picture, paint the person in a good light, and remember the good things and all of that. But death in the Bible very serious and it is a reality that all of us are going to face we're all going to face the physical death unless Christ comes before that everybody who is lost before they get saved they have a spiritual death saved people there's a judicial death some unfortunately have a devotional death and all the lost will experience the second death are you dead this morning Are you dead this morning? Guess what? Everybody in here is, I have news for you, everybody in here is dead in one way or another. Every, yes. Everybody in here that I'm looking at and speaking to you right now is dead. You're either dead spiritually because you're not saved, or if you are saved, you're dead judicially. So everybody is one of these. Some people could be this, I hope not. And if you're here in church, then chances are you're not. But it's still possible. And God forbid anybody listening to me should experience this. Let's pray. Lord, this message this morning was maybe uncomfortable. However, it is something that is in the Word of God that needs to be preached. It is a serious matter. Some people make light of death. They joke about it and uh, don't like to think about it or don't take it seriously. But it is something that is. It is something that we need to ponder because it is something that is a reality. I pray that this message would impact the hearts of everybody here today. I pray that. For all the saved people here that they would understand that there is a judicial death that they should reckon them their old life the old man dead to Christ and they should live for you and I also pray that God forbid if there's anybody here who's spiritually dead they've never been born again that they would take these matters seriously that, that they would not put off salvation and that um, they would escape the horrors of the second death. In Jesus' name, amen.